hello everybody and welcome to the APGRD podcast. Today we're with some of the very impressive team behind Queering the Past's ebook project. We're joined by Nancy Rabinovitz, Marcus Bell and Eleonora Colley. We're talking about the project which began in 2018. An enormous amount of really exciting work has gone into the process since then and the first published ebook chapters are launching later this month. Um, these materials are intended for use by teachers and students working in Key Stage 3 to the beginning of Key Stage 4, so that's around the, the 11 to 15 year old age group. And with the shadow of Section 28 still looming large in the English secondary curriculum, in spite of its repeal in 2003, the project is aiming to address the ongoing lack of conversation around LGBTQ plus issues in schools, with an understanding that classics has something to offer in this regard. Their stated goal is to give teachers and young students information from antiquity that facilitate discussion, raise interesting questions and help students gain confidence in addressing critical and contentious issues. These two first chapters that are due to launch very soon are on the lesbian poet Sappho and on the Roman emperor Elagabalus. Um, I've been very lucky enough to have a sneak preview of them prior to recording and they're absolutely fantastic. It's a real pleasure to have you all here to discuss the work involved and where you hope to go next. So I think probably the best place to start is if each of you could just give a few words of introduction, who you are, what you're doing now, and, and what brought you to the project. So hi, um, my name is Marcus. I am a DPhil student uh, in Oxford, working with uh, professors Fiona McIntosh and Felix Boodleman um, on choreographing tragedy. And I came to this project through, I think, a shared conversation between Nancy and Fiona um, about where to go next with the APGRD's ebooks that had already kind of set up and got set up and running with two incredible uh, free online downloadable ebooks on Agamemnon and Medea. Um, and there was suddenly kind of a question about um, Nancy and I had engaged already with some work with By Jove and um, it's part of like Nancy's ongoing work with people like David Bullen on investigating kind of the performances of uh, ancient tragedy and queerness um, and so it was suggested um, from that conversation between Nancy and Fiona what if we had uh, an ebook that did something similar to the Medea and Agamemnon ones but looked specifically at kind of the queer um, uh, moments, elements, characters, histories um, from ancient Greece and Rome. Um, and so that's really where it started. And, and it was actually kind of incredible to have all these conversations Nancy and I would meet weekly during the first lockdown. So we would like meet on Zoom every week. Um, and it was just really a lovely kind of like portal um, of like shared conversation. And we had all of these plans um, for how how much incredible work and material we could do. We had like a full lineup of, you know, every single kind of queer character and, and every single incredible, exciting academic working on queerness um, that we could think about kind of like involving in the project. Um, and so this really, we think of it, I think of as, uh, as like a prototype, very much a beginning, um, these two chapters on Sappho and, and Elagabalus, written by the incredible um, Cheryl Morgan and Ella Hasselsworth. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I came along and got, in, got involved. What I said to uh, Marcus and, and Fiona, I think, was, well, we were working at the time on a theater piece, which was, for me, like the best thing that ever happened to me so far, except for meeting Marcus, and um, which actually was part of working on this theater project. And um, I thought that this group could do outreach, that we could go to high schools. And then even before lockdown, you know, people said, calm down. Nancy, this is this is not the way it works. We don't have money to go around the country putting on plays and running discussion groups. So I said to myself, it has to be digital. Me, I, I, I'm a text person. I don't do anything digital. But I was talking to Fiona and she said, 
That's when this whole so I think that the point about getting to youngsters and saying that this material is relevant and and not in the old way of we're looking for this direct lineage and you can feel good about being queer, but well, I mean partly that because you know we started from the point that if you discuss the Iliad and and you never mention that Patroclus and Achilles are lovers or were lovers, you know, whatever word you want to use there, then you're sitting in your seat and you're queer and you say, well, this is queer as stink, right? I mean, this is, and and you only find the affirmation for that on the internet. What about the classroom? So that's really, as we got further into it, we realized we really wanted to raise the critical questions and use this material, not just to be, not to be doctrinaire at all about it, but to help teachers tricky waters with some material that might seem safe because it's farther away and, and it's validated. Elegable uh, is not so validated, but um, you know, so that, I mean, that, that was the whole process, I think, early on. So I'm Eleanor Colley. I'm also a different student at Oxford studying on the queer simile. Uh, I think it came along in with the project uh, around with 2020 when me and Marcus were doing the Queer Classical Seminar Series at Corpus. And I joined at the same time as Nicolette D'Angelo was supposed to come today and uh, couldn't make it at the end. But I think just Marcus talked about this project to me. And I think at the time it was just like, you know, everyone was sort of like dealing with the pandemic and what we could do in pandemic times and how to connect with other queer people and queer projects during a pandemic. And I think it was a moment where me and Marcus were doing this project together and Marcus was working with Nancy. And so it all sort of like came about through all these connections of sort of finding you know, queerness on all these online events and finding a way to uh, discuss these things and make them more practical when we couldn't leave the house, essentially. And I joined in a sort of more editing uh, role and... Yeah, it has been great to work on all these things together and sort of see the project evolve. We had this enormous sheet of paper. I don't know how many, because Marcus was taking the notes in his usual organized fashion. And um, it was enormous. It was enormous. Um, And so how to whittle it down and be more realistic so that it could actually be produced. I had, at that point, no idea how arduous it was going to be because as i said before i'm a text person you write your article you send it to the press the journal or the if it's a book you know and and they do the rest but we were doing the rest so there was no nobody else but us so we started thinking i think initially we were thinking about achilles and patroclus and sappho as a breaking uh, not making it all about male homoeroticism, starting with Sappho. And then we had a talk with Arlene, who was one of the, so we started adding people. And Arlene Holmes Henderson, who is a consultant on education, she said, well, people really need to know how to deal with trans issues. And Cheryl Morgan was, had just done um, a wonderful dance through Queer Rome. And so we thought about her for Elagabalus. And so that, and of course, and Ella had been in the QATC uh, initial uh, seminar. And so we knew Ella 
And um, so that's where we are. Uh, but the list is still there. So exactly as Nancy said, there's like room for this project to kind of continue to expand and, and grow and shift and for other people to kind of come in and, and write chapters and, and add sections. Um, but I guess it, it's also probably important at this juncture to mention, as well as Arlene Holmes Henderson, we've had an incredible group of uh, teachers who have been consultants on the project, who we've done kind of like focus groups and work groups with. Um, and one of those teachers, Rob Hancock, who has kind of like continued on with us and has worked kind of closely on the project, he, he writes in the kind of in the introduction to the kind of teacher's notes, which is the first kind of PDF chapter that people will be able to download to accompany the two other PDFs. Um, exactly about what you said, Claire, at the top about this kind of shadow of section 28. Um, and when we started looking at the project in 2018, um, it was the year after this kind of Stonewall report had been published in 2017, which surveyed over kind of 3,700 young people. Um, and they said 40% of them reported to have never been taught anything about LGBT identities or issues in school. 76 reported never being taught about bisexual identities or issues in school. And 77 reported never being taught about gender identity or transness or trans identity in school. Um, now in 2021, there's like a mandate for LGBTQ plus education to be a part of all the kind of delivery in, in schools. Um, so there's now kind of a legally protected right to be taught about LGBTQ plus issues and identities on the secondary school curriculum. And so we hope that the PDFs themselves will kind of feed a part of that need. As we kind of mentioned in the lockdown context that we've all been in and working from, schools and school teachers and school students have also been in a kind of like intensified version of that, um, same those same conditions in many ways. So we hope that this resource or these resources could be a start um, of kind of like providing kind of a digital um, means, a kind of easily downloadable PDF that that teachers can work with and that students can have access to. There's loads of little links as well throughout to other resources that are already established, um, to kind of other places where school students and teachers can find out more. And Nicolette, who um, who again, done incredible work on the project, but couldn't, couldn't be here with us today, has started work on a, a live and will be continually updated Google Doc, because um, now we all think and collectively work in Google Docs, which it includes notes on on for teachers on questions that might come up as people go through those PDFs, um, helpful guides to kind of some of the activities that we've included and, and additional kind of resources uh, as well to supplement. Um, so we're, yeah, in, in the kind of like queer mode of an ongoing project that's like going to be released and will will be fed by its interactions with kind of the, the school teachers and students that we're kind of hoping to to integrate the resource with. I want to say uh, from the U.S. perspective, there's a real urgency. And um, I don't know if you all were there at the launch of the Feminism and Classics conference last night, but there was a Beyond the Binary roundtable. And Walter Penrose spoke so eloquently about the horrible reality that is facing us you know, in the, in the U.S., and especially in education. So this will be a tough sell, but it is going to be so important. And um, we're, we are hoping to release it in the fall in the U.S. I think not to make the conversation even, like, heavier, I guess, but especially what is happening in the U.K. now with commercial therapy and trans rights being taken away, it is, yeah, like bringing these sort of materials 
to young people, I think it's especially important to give access to resources that are especially being continually updated. I think it's fundamental because discourses change and things change and politics change. And so uh, I think, you know, the idea for the for the for these PDFs to be updated and, you know, collaborative, I think is fundamental. I'm not like I don't want to say that obviously classics is gonna change the world and change uh, <laughs> any politics in the UK or in the US uh, but in in terms of education and what can bring some positive attitudes in the classrooms I think this work is particularly important in that sense. Yeah they, you, you've all kind of spoken about that that necessity for for accessibility and communication and clearly there's a yeah very very kind of wide uh, transatlantic audience as well, which is um, which is extremely extremely good to hear. This next question is sort of a little bit more nitty gritty, I guess. It's looking at the medium uh, through which you're distributing this, but I think as as Marcus mentioned, that's particularly crucial, especially given given the evolving nature of of hybrid learning, blended learning. So you've got an ebook format, but PDF. So there's an accessibility for for print, though it is it's worth noting this is quite an interactive format. I really enjoyed the little little rainbows that you're invited to click to open up fresh takes and kind of interlinking piece of information. Um, but yeah, I was wondering if you could just speak a little bit about why you chose to present your materials in this way. You've also got some accompanying materials just for teachers. So perhaps you could explain a bit more about that and just sort of why it's put together in such a way and, and what you hope to achieve through that. To start, I could say something about that shift into PDF. When we were talking with uh, Arlene and with Rob, and after we did the kind of focus group with the teachers, um, and also talking with um, Cheryl Morgan, who has experience publishing kind of digital resources, we decided it would be easier to for the resource to be to go through the kind of a PDF format. The ebooks sometimes can only be downloaded in, on certain devices. I think there's sometimes a kind of uh, restriction that it goes through Apple. Um, and that also with the kind of PDF format, we wanted it to be easily printable. We wanted it to, the, the kind of resource, so people could print off just sections that would be like an exercise to work on in classrooms or that they could print off the whole thing. We really wanted to, to not assume that everyone was always gonna be able to access this on kind of like digital devices or to be using it through Wi-Fi, but we still wanted it to have that interactive digital functionality. So I, I just like did the design for the, for the PDFs through kind of InDesign. And we, yeah, we should also thank the kind of grateful support, gracious support of the SCS and the CA who've provided us with the kind of funding for this project to allow this kind of work to happen. Um, and yeah, so we really wanted to make sure that these, this, these, all these, all three of these PDFs, so the two chapters for student focus, but also the teachers chapter two could be easily printable and, you know, hand, be handed out as like a handout exercise in a classroom um, or taken away and, and, and held in that kind of like physical way or clicked through and when you can jump through all the, all the links. One thing I want to say, it, it, it um, thanks to the APGRD, because uh, not only for these po podcasts, but also their support throughout in, in the technical parts and uh, the inspiration, really, to do this. <laughs> Big thanks. And that, that chapter idea as well is something that the APGID employed for their Agamemnon book, just to make sure that they were kind of like the chunks could be um, downloadable and like wouldn't take up too much storage. And so that's also the kind of reason why we have this kind of modular approach to teachers note at the kind of beginning or introductory note at the beginning and then two separate chapters. Um, we also thought it, 
it would allow for uh, development with more chapters on in the future. So we don't have to kind of contain the whole project within one downloadable file. But in theory, um, as it goes on uh, for for a number of, for years into the future, uh, other links could be added below um, so that people could kind of view them as an expanding kind of series of, of PDF files. <laughs> I love the idea of these these queer stories speaking to each other. That's that's fantastic, and um, oh, it's delight. Yeah, fantastic to hear that the, the APGRD has been um, been a source of inspiration. I'm sure Fiona and Claire Kenwood would be delighted to to hear that. We sort of looked at the medium. Let's let's look at look at the message in terms of the two stories you've chosen to highlight. So you mentioned initially thinking about starting with with Achilles and Patroclus, and you've ended up with these two stories, Sappho and Elagabalus. Let's just talk about both of them. Let's start. You know, start with Sappho, maybe. Um, I was going to say, I think we can get why Sappho, but actually, no, I'd be interested to know, <laughs> to know why Sappho and, and kind of how that how that story started to take shape. The way we worked was that we let we found people and asked them to write a chapter. So we decided on Sappho for the um, the gender and um, which is so often overlooked still. So that was an easy uh, decision. And then, of course, she's also Greek. So, you know, we were thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't do Achilles. Anyway, we were already thinking maybe we shouldn't do Achilles. When Arlene said, there's a lot of problem with how to talk about trans issues. So um, we kind of, I think Marcus and Alec, correct me, we let Cheryl decide, right? We approached her because she'd been working on the galley. She'd been speaking about the galley. And then uh, she said, well, actually, what about, about this idea? But I think I, I want to go back to what I said at the beginning, which is we don't want to present these as clear case studies. We really want to bring out the evidence and encourage these young people to be critical. I think a lot of what's happening with the Internet and, and white supremacy in this country is, you know, this uncritical reading and reproducing of um, the bollocks <laughs> that's out there. So um, that's what I want to say for starters. Yeah, I think the in terms of the figures that we wanted to talk about, I guess tell join in talking about I guess the push against the sort of homonationalism that sometimes seems to, to pervade classics in terms of what figures we highlight when talking about queerness in the ancient world. And so in that case, we decided to start with Sappho. Also thanks to Hella House as well, it's amazing work and her deep less philology talk at the seminar series. I think that was really a big source of inspiration because she talked so much about the gaps and the fragmentation of Sappho and how that could be filled in through personal forms of perception and personal identities and how that can be reshaped. And before there was a good starting point for students also to get engaged with this material and, and these poems. And then, yes, we conducted Sharon Morgan. And I think the idea was to start with the Galai, but then uh, we moved to El Gabalos, uh, which I think uh, it's it's nice. I think it's it would be interesting to see how the chapters would like the chapters will shift or would potentially shift or could have shifted if we were talking about communities as opposed to individuals. But I think since we're sort of still workshopping this and starting with two figures and sort of like have a template with the Sappho on what to work on with the Elgabalus and sort of figuring out what worked and what not was uh, useful and. It was definitely fundamental to talk about gender non-conforming identities, I think, as well, 
there are hints of that in the Sappho chapters as well. And then I think they are discussed obviously with more insight in the Elagabalus chapters. I think that was the sort of one of the main rationales behind it, I guess. And especially in in that second chapter on Elagabalus, we we're really keen on with working with Rob and with Cheryl to ask questions about you know how do queer people in history get represented by kind of dominant sources that last you know maybe how can we start to build up a like Nancy was saying a kind of a critical language for critiquing or pulling apart some of those. And maybe scaremongering or fearmongering narratives that like operate around gender non-conforming people, gender non-conforming identities. Um, and yeah, Eleanor, I really love that. And um, what if proposition, what if, you know, in another uh, iteration, this would be about communities rather than individuals. And I think that that we, we really want to speak to the kind of like open potential for um, even in the classroom exploration for these, maybe these some of these questions to be picked up. And so each chapter has a set of of key questions at the top um, for people to kind of to look through, students to look through when they engage with the work. There's also kind of concluding questions to each chapter that will guide on to like further research and, and work. And yeah, we, um, the, the teachers resource and updated Google Doc are ways of kind of finding and developing more resources as a kind of, as a community working with these, these texts too. I would add in there that one of the very important issues for us as scholars is this was meant to be approachable. We have to keep thinking about the language. The kids are smart, but you know the vocabulary is, I think, really, you know, so we were very glad to have the advice of teachers, both in the UK and the US, to make that, that make it clear, which is very helpful to us, you know, which you tend to get, well, I know, you know, every every important idea is surrounded by other garbage. And so if these had to be. They have to be, you know, right on. And I think that in, in the future, we will have a chapter coming. We have it in preparation on the Amazons. So we're still, um, we don't have anybody commissioned to write on Achilles and Patroclus. Definitely the U.S. people think that um, there's a lot of interest and that that would be, you know, important. But maybe we will think of something less canonical. We have time. But if you're interested, write to us. On that note, on on communication and on, on clarity of communication, one of the the other things we kind of did as part of the process of the ebook, and that hopefully will be evident um, in some key moments of both chapters, is to speak to artists um, and creatives who were who were working with or in relationship with these kind of figures, kind of the the musical, sung, dance elements of Sappho's work, but also the kind of queer proliferation of, of Elagabalus online through spaces like DeviantArt. So you'll see in the ebook kind of like those rainbow buttons that are kind of invitations to new perspectives often invite or, or kind of lead the, the reader into a space where it's kind of a work by an artist or a series of artists who are engaging with this. And, and we have some beautiful work um, in kind of both in both chapters that speaks to that. And that leads me uh, to another desire we had, which I don't know how well we um, handled it because the issues of uh, multiculturalism are very live in, in actually in both texts because modern day Lesbos is situated right in the middle of the refugee or a refugee crisis. And um, Elagabalus's family tree is um, multicultural. And um, in a way, that was an opening for us to be more intentionally intersectional and not uh, say, oh, all queers are white, which is certainly um, a problem in the 
stereotyping. Some of the intertextual material you, you've all mentioned is, I think, worth drawing back to. So both chapters have this enormous wealth of, of intertext and, and receptions within them. Um, Marcus, you mentioned, you know, going into DeviantArt and kind of bits and bobs from, from all over the internet that, that might be dealing with these subjects in slightly unusual or atypical ways. I was wondering if for any of you personally, you'd found something come up as a result of the chapters that you found particularly interesting that you'd encourage readers to go and look at. I noticed you've got clips from performances, for instance. Um, you've got a, a Neil Gaiman comic, which I had never actually encountered before in the Elagabalus chapter. But yeah, what, what would you encourage people to to go and look for? I think personally for me, like, what I go look for, I think like, this is also something that Elas also mentioned in her talk uh, um, on the plus philology, but we have some talk in the chapter about the use of hashtags like suffix on all sorts of social media like from tumblr instagram tiktok i think there is an incredible community online of uh, lgbtq teens that discuss these topics and talk about their identities in very new ways and it's very interesting you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, sorry, maybe this is, I should rephrase it. I wouldn't say go look for it and like go look at the scenes. I'm just like, I'm just saying it's an interesting discourse that is happening in regards to queer identities. And uh, I find that very fascinating. You know, having a deep dive on Tumblr on the Sappho tag w- was interesting because actually, you know, there is actually not much about Sappho uh, as, as an author. Is just a synonym on Tumblr. It's a synonym for lesbian art and uh, women loving women art. And so there is a, a wealth of artists really uh, online. They use this sort of hashtags in very different ways from we as classicists understand them as. So that's something that I noted, I guess, when working on this. I, of course, learned so much from uh, the research of Eleonora uh, But I do think that it is a very rich resource. And I wonder whether it's a mistake to think that these students aren't already out there. But if they're not, then this will introduce them to a community as well as a way of thinking about classics. It will introduce them to a community which they may not find because they're living in a small town. So I think that'll be a great service. And um, I originally started thinking about, oh, well, what vase paintings do I know of? And man, was I educated. <laughs> if possible, I just wanted to like pull out two kind of like artworks that we we kind of include within the um, within the PDFs. One of them was a discovery and one of them was actually a work that we commissioned as part of our kind of like making the the, the PDFs. Um, so the, the one we discovered was this short film of Elagabalus um, directed by Xanthi Dobby. Um, and we use images of that in, in the chapter and also linked to their website. It's a, it looks like an incredible short film um, exploring kind of queerness, queer community, gender nonconformity. So if like, yeah, I, I haven't actually got a chance to like see the kind of full film yet. I'm really hungry for for like a screening of it to be put up somewhere um, or for kind of to see a, a screening link. Um, I think that would be incredible. And then the other piece was a dance piece made by Susanna Dye and Farrell Cox, um, which is a response to Fragment 31 um, with a reading by SJ Brady. Susanna and Farrell are both incredible movement artists. Um, so, you know, real kind of pleasure um, to be a part of their process um, and SJ is an incredible poet and playwright and um, so yeah really recommend kind of checking those people out and um, having a look at their work as an extension of the things that they got they did for the for the ebook. That's another example of the organic way in which this has developed because 
Marcus and I had both worked with Susanna and SJ at by Job, and we wanted to link the two projects. And this was, and it's a, it's fabulous, really, and so moving. I, I do think, but I, I don't want to highlight it at the expense of all the other wonderful uh, pop outs. They really do pop right up. In terms of incorporating the chapters into the classroom, I'm aware that. You're, you've kind of created this with, with the idea that there might be teachers using this who don't have classical subjects uh, specifically in the timetable, but there is, as I understand it, still plenty of scope for these to be introduced. Um, how might a teacher listening who does want to incorporate the materials but is in a school that doesn't offer sort of traditional classical subjects, how might they go about working with that? So we thought um, specifically for subjects that are not classics and um, that this this ebook might be incorporated into kind of relationship sexual health education lessons, PHSE lessons, but could also work for English, history, um, drama. And, you know, Pride Month is coming up and students are finishing their exams or finishing coming back from their revision sessions. And maybe there's this kind of like window where something on LGBTQ history might want to be incorporated into a lesson. Um, so I think those are the kind of spaces that the 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 queer PDFs might kind of be useful for in terms of how to go about doing it. I think that live Google Doc is an incredible resource and kind of like guide um, into the material. We've also at the end of each chapter listed some very short um, kind of resources, podcasts, um, websites that will just give a little bit more historical information or information on the figures. But we wanted to make sure that they were as as self-contained and but intertextual as possible so these resources don't require a degree in classics or kind of like an extensive relationship with greek and roman myth um or kind of like history they are kind of like invitations into kind of uh, a way of doing of teaching this material um, and there are those guides um, that are up on the google drive and uh, and also um listed resources throughout yeah i think they would be suitable uh, in an English class on poetry, because uh, the Sappho chapter definitely raises issue about about language, and I also think that they may not be exactly self-contained, but they are. If you want to teach something in your English class that is queer friendly, this is an opportunity. If you're not, they're not. It's not every English teacher is going to be interested. It's certainly not every history class on Rome is going to be interested. But if they are, I think that they, it does not require them to be specialists at all. You mentioned being part of a broader community with this project and also some of the, the forthcoming chapters that you're already starting to, to percolate. So if someone listening wanted to get involved, where would you encourage them to go? How can they get involved either to, to access the chapters or to be part of the project? Well, I check my email all the time. <laughs> nrabinow at hamilton.edu. So I would just say, also agreeing with Nancy, I think the best place, the best thing to do would be to contact one of us via email. Get in touch. You know, we can we can chat to you about the, the process and the project and, and any ideas you might have for, for a further chapter. And also, yeah, any questions about the kind of like the resources and, and how to kind of use them or ways to use them. And um, I think just, you know, get us a, drop us an email. We're all very friendly. <laughs> Thank you so much, all three of you. And sorry not to have had Nicolette in the room as well. It's been a huge pleasure to, to hear more about the project. I'm so excited for everybody else to be able to get access to these chapters. And 
it doesn't sound like this conversation's going uh, to disappear anytime soon. You've clearly got a lot to say and a lot of amazing work to do. So who knows, we might have you back <laughs> very soon to discuss further iterations of the project. Thank you so much for, for joining us.